0: Just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S C I L L Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support calm. And now on with monkey tennis.
1: Hold up.
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: I am hopping mad, and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, yeah, absolutely, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Damn! Monkey tennis? Little pierce my foot on a thigh With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis? Radical, awesome, mega. <laughs> Monkey Tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey Tennis? Edmonds is a total wazzup of a guy. Yes, 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 yes and yes. It's hotter than the sun? They said, who oh, the hell is that? <laughs> this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey Tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it.
0: Hello, friends, and welcome once again to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast where we're making our way through Alan's from the Oast House series 2. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark.
3: Let's call him Jeff, as I don't like his real name, which is Jez.
0: Nick Older. Imagine
4: if you showed an iPhone to King Henry VIII, it'd
5: blow his mind. <laughs> and Tom Stab. I don't know how to follow that, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll try. <laughs> I wouldn't say anything as cheesy as she completes me, but she uh, certainly finishes me off. (laughs) It's good, but
3: Nick wins that one, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, oh, absolutely.
0: So uh, yes, welcome to episode 142, believe it or not, Fucking of Monkey Hell. Tennis, where we'll be talking about episode or chapter 7 and 8 of From the Oast House series 2, namely Time Travel and Katarina. But before we get onto that, we like to uh, start each episode with a little tidbit of the uh, promotion that's been done around From the Oast House. Uh, in this case, uh, an interview Steve Coogan gave to Empire Magazine, which Tom Dark is going to talk us through the finer points of.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, this was a very interesting interview. It's about, about 20 minutes long and um, it, what I thought was quite funny is that the main thrust of this interview was very much Coogan talking about House, even though it was the Empire Film Podcast and he's got the film about Richard III that's just come out so he's done other promo recently which has been focused around that film, but not when doing the Empire Film Podcast. I think because we all know they're huge Alan fans and have supported House and this time and stuff in the past. Um, anyway, so it opens with Coogan talking about that he's He's either in work mode or down tools mode. And he says to uh, Chris from Empire, I'm in down tools mode right now, which I thought was hilarious because surely you're in the middle of a promo run to promote a brand new project. You (laughs) shouldn't be in down
1: tools mode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It should very
3: much be the work section.
0: Yeah, pick up those tools and get to work.
3: Yeah. Um, And yeah, so there's a bit of insight that um, they recorded Oast House basically straight after the Stratagem tour finished. Um, And then he goes through to talk about uh, lots of the projects that they're thinking about doing. So it seems to me like possibly the next Alan thing we're going to get is an album, uh, which I'll be honest, worries me a little bit. I think comedy albums from well-entrenched characters are they often good? Maybe not. I think um,
0: e- even when they're funny, they've got a very limited shelf life. I think yeah. they tire. They tire very quickly. Not
3: gonna, I wouldn't imagine it bearing repeat listens. But any, anyway, I'm sure we'll discuss Alan and his musical output uh, in this series more anyway. Um, and yeah, he's generally talking about how uh, what they're able to do with Alan over the years is. They they are now able to react to events and the news cycle and reacting to cultural changes keep the character keeps the character fresh, which I think we would agree is definitely a thing which has been happening in the kind of Gibbons era of Alan. Um Uh, they were asking Coogan about um, if they'd ever do a quiz show in the style of skirmish Coogan says they had considered it but it uh, it just for many reasons it wouldn't really work it makes sense and then Coogan goes on to talk about they have an Alan Bucket basically like a bucket of ideas of things they haven't used something he's keen to do is interviews with real people um, so that feels a bit like a Mrs. Merton type idea, perhaps. Um, and also, um, he very briefly mentions after the album, there might be a book. He also talks about uh, doing, wanting to do a documentary series going around Britain, uh, investigating what it is to be British in the 21st century. So whether that is uh, the version of uh, And Did These Feet, that kind of historical documentary, maybe not that, but uh, I'm not quite sure if that tallies up with the other projects that they've talked about possibly happening over the years. Um Yeah, and it's also what I thought was interesting. Steve talked about doing the live shows of Alan, they deliberately make the comedy quite broad. So, you know, in theory, Stratagem is deliberately written for a broader audience than something like uh, The Oast House. And Steve says that doing the host house is more liberating because they could be more esoteric self indulgent more obscure uh they thought when they did series one of those house they thought that most people wouldn't like it um also some interesting uh revelations in terms of how they record it so steve records them all at home so he doesn't like going to a studio to do them and the soundscapes are real so if there's an episode where alan's in a car he is in a car i mean he's not driving but he is in a car um yeah and uh he really was in a river when they did the uh river e- the wild swimming episode as well. I mean again I think he probably wasn't swimming He was probably just standing in a river but It is
4: funny you say that though because as I was listening to those that that thought did genuinely cross my mind mm. when and and I, and I have thought about it before when you hear the sort of sound effects that I I had assumed that they were probably not library but bespoke recordings but that that is a man in a river not Steve in a river but I yeah. can sort of see that Steve's probably quite committed to stuff like that, that he wants to do it, he wants to do it right, and he wants to be the one sort of making the, the sounds as well. For
3: Yeah, and he, he gives a bit of uh, reasoning for this. He talks about that if you listen to a Radio 4 drama you can tell that it's a Radio 4 drama. You can tell that there's a Foley artist doing these things. So they kind of want to avoid that. But what I thought was great, he does a bit of an impression of a Radio 4 drama and immediately it sounds like him doing his Hannigan play from Mid Midmorning Matters. Um And also, obviously, with it being M- Empire Film Podcast, uh, Chris Hewitt asks him about uh, Alpha Papa a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Steve just talks about when they started shooting, it just wasn't ready. Um, so after the first week of shooting, they scrapped it all. Um, every evening they were doing rewrites. I mean, we kind of know this already anyway, but it was interesting to hear Steve talk about it, basically saying that the rewrites and the reshoots were so intense. It was the hardest he's ever worked. Um, and, yeah, he then talks about um, he's going to be working on films next because if all he did was Alan, he'd be in a lunatic asylum. I think that's fair. We kind of know how you feel there, Steve. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, a bit, bit of chat from cause so Chris was Chris here was interviewing Steve Coogan on his birthday. Chris's birthday, not Steve's. Um, and he just kind of points out, I've oh, never done anything around Alan's birthday. And they obviously talk about the fact that Alan's age over the years, has become a bit fluid as him and Steve get closer together in real age. So they started it with Alan being 10 years older than Steve, but that gap has reduced. Um, Yeah, Coogan says they consider Alan to be early 60s, but they don't want to be too specific on it. Um, But of course, I think technically... He should be, I think, 65 this year, I think it worked out. Or was it 65 last year? I can't remember. But anyway, basically, they want to keep that a bit fluid now. So it's somewhere between 60, 65. And uh, also he did talk about, there are a few references to the fact that they, they do constantly now have to refer back to Alan's timeline and the fact that they employ an archivist, which uh, we also know. So, yeah, I think in a kind of twenty twenty-five minute interview, there's a lot of interesting stuff about um, not only Steve's work, but also like the world of Alan. So, yeah, re- really good chat.
0: So, time to get to the bulk of today's episode, um, starting with episode 7, or chapter 7, time travel. Uh, Nick, I believe you've got the synopsis for this one.
4: Yes, so, after being teased by some council workers while speed walking through the park, uh, Anna reflects on the death of his dog and ponders the possibility of going back in time. Uh, that is the synopsis. I like that um, uh, Seldom isn't even credited by his name. He's just called his dog.
0: It's very uh, My Assistant for Liv, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> um, so we, we open with some music, and Oboe, uh, the saddest of the Woodwind family, according to Alan, I do unlike agree. Uh, the breathless titter of the flute or the flatulent honk of the bassoon, <laughs> um, he then gets quite caught up talking about the sexiness of saxophone music, doesn't he? Um,
3: it is quite sexy, sa-
0: the sax, though. I do, I do think that's fair. That it is a
4: sexy.
3: Yeah. So you'd agree that it would you agree that it sounds sexy, but would you agree that it looks sexy too? I I think it looks. I want to say interesting, but I wouldn't say (laughs) sexy. (laughs) I
4: like that
0: he uh, he sort of has to correct himself when he starts talking about how sexy the saxophone's knobs uh, nipples are. Yeah. Uh, Once he starts framing Mm. it in terms of men's genitalia, he gets quite concerned. I've also just got the note, wet wipes, jug of orange squash yeah. here, it, hopefully someone can offer some it, context. It, it's basically the uh, perfect accompaniment
4: for, for lovemaking. So, G- yeah. Gentle,
3: gentle lovemaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, That's gentle lovemaking. very, love. very
4: yeah.
5: really
3: important. Um, I've yeah. actually got the, I think I've got the full list here, actually, the perfect accompaniments to gentle lovemaking. So you, uh, fat candle, again, we talked about yeah, this, yeah. fat candles, fat socks, fat armchairs, everything's fat. Fat candle, jug of orange squash, flat pack of wet wipes, and uh, if you want to go this far, a post-it note with the name and number of your next of kin. <laughs> I think yeah, if, yeah, if you're yeah. in your early to mid-60s, that may yeah. be crucial. That choice is if,
0: if the lovemaking risks moving out of the gentle category, always bring <laughs> your yeah. next of kin, yeah. kin to hand. Um, he's, uh, yeah, so he talks about people being uh, e- eagle-eyed but for ears. Uh, keen-eared, bat-eared. I mean, is there, a, is there a, a correct equivalent of being eagle-eyed for ears? Bat-eared isn't the one, is it? <laughs> no. Um, I don't know what it is. Could it? I mean, eagle. It probably.
4: I don't think eagles yeah, have it ears, do they?
3: Sense that, I mean, keenid is a thing. You You could say you're keen-eared. Um Yeah. Let,
4: let us know. Let us know. If if someone so, someone will know, someone will write in. Someone. Yeah, will. we'll throw let this one out the audience. Let us
0: know. Um, I like that he uh, he uses a 34 year old listener who is a gay lady as proof that he has a young listenership, and it's not just all <laughs> old people. Um, uh, and he also confesses to being an ick a bit lonely. Yeah, I, I did I, enjoy that. This is this is a bit of a partridge thing, isn't it? That whenever he's talking about kind of his feelings or being vulnerable, he has to sort of cadge it in like a patois of some kind or sort of just sort of, I don't know, just kind of... You can't just say it as a straight thing. <laughs> exactly. His cadence gets very sort of cutesy. Um, yeah. Again, yeah, it's, it's like he's trying
3: to, try to um, not engage with the emotional gravitas of it by doing it in a silly voice.
5: Yeah, and I think this is very much a kind of... a a, a trait of a generation of men who are unable to talk about their feelings and have to do it in a way that kind of disarms people or to themselves doesn't really like like Tom says doesn't really truly address the address the issue
4: it is quite a recurrent trope as as well I feel like they they surface this fairly frequently that he's feeling down he's not feeling his best he's not he's not feeling great he's talking to someone and We'll come on to this, but I think just generally speaking, with with newer Alan projects, his kind of mental health and, and mental well being is is often used as a as a subject for you know the narrative of these kinds of things.
3: Mm. Yeah, de- definitely. Like, like like I've talked about the kind of maudlin Alanist. You've got yeah, it's there there. It, there's more to it even than him being a bit maudlin. There yeah. are actually like there are. <laughs> The, the mental health issues are, are lurking in the in the backdrop yeah. to all of this yeah <laughs> i mean they always um, have been with alan haven't they <laughs> well i mean yeah to, to a certain extent yeah I, th- I guess so um just quickly before we uh dive back in uh can would we agree that the the beginning of this episode is he in the oast house am i giving oast house a tick for this don't i mean he. He, i don't think he talks about where he is but can we? Assume, is it safe to assume? I'm prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah okay. unless if he's audibly elsewhere, like when he's out on the walk later on. I think we can give this uh, another tally for Oast. Fair enough.
0: Yeah, been a while since we had a Grant Shapps reference, isn't it? I'm starting to yeah, I'm getting, dry up.
3: Getting worried he's going to uh, lose the battle for uh, not wall space tick space. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's Oast so he... three, Shapps three.
0: He's trying not to let uh, the uh, ribbing he got from the council workers while he was speed walking uh, get him down, uh, reminding himself that they're just people who mow grass and pick up shit. It's not exactly Monty Don, <laughs>
5: um,
0: uh, but I, yeah, I, I just I really really enjoyed the build on this though. That um, we we
4: find out that when Alan used to take uh, Seldom out in the park. He was basically
0: carried on a, on a gurney, skateboard on a gurney. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's start. It is great isn't it? because with every elaboration, it gets funnier. It's stu- the idea that seldom has to go on a be towed on a skateboard is funny enough. Then you find out it needed bicycle wheels. <laughs> then, you out, then you find out it's less of a skateboard and more just like a gurney. Yeah. Like a, it's you know it's yeah. effectively a yeah. trailer at this point, isn't it? And. Uh,
4: that uh, seldom um, went to defend Alan's honor by chasing the
0: park workers, but
4: actually Alan suspects it
0: might be because one of them was holding a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, unlike uh, sandwich aside, the thing about this that was just delicious was when the council workers hid in the pickup and one of them wet themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that's the real delicious treat for Alan.
4: But not yeah. the urine.
0: But, the, the, not the, not yeah.
4: Not the not the urine.
3: Can I also add that there was a line uh, just before this when Alan's talking about speed walking, which I thought was really uh, a great visual. Um, Alan describes speedwalking that it looks like you're trying to get to a campsite toilet after eating some old ham. Yeah, very, that very specific. Funny. Yeah. That, that, that sounds yeah. like
0: something that's happened to him on a campsite. He's been through it, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this is the point that we get to uh, something that we discussed on a previous episode, the biggest continuity error of the series so far, uh, namely that Alan says that his dog owning days are over um, even though he talked about a replacement for seldom in the previous episode, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so just a straight up error, we think.
4: Yeah, and I, I personally, we're coming into a section that that I, I hugely enjoyed. So we get um, more insight as to the sorts of things that seldom liked to eat. So we yes. find out that uh, by his own this admission, is yeah, yeah, by by Alan's own admission, seldom's diet was effed up because he basically loved (laughs) eggs and beef, which at that point, this is kind of like the skateboard thing, that if the joke stopped there, that would be great. But no, it goes (laughs) further. And apparently, this is brilliant, he enjoys a salad bowl full of Coca-Cola. I've never seen a A
5: dog (laughs) belch.
0: specifically coca-cola as well yeah. he tried to give him fentanyl's it yeah. did not go well oh yeah he
5: was, he, he that his, image he that his, image he put, his, he put his paw on his foot and then shook his head as if to say don't do that again mate <laughs> i i
3: thought that was so you can really visualize that oh, especially so with the, the salad bowl full of still salad bowl, salad bowl full of coke um, <laughs> i also think
0: there's there's some there's some layers of humor here where like you realize that actually none of what seldom eats is seldom's fault like surely this is stuff alan's chosen to give him but then you think actually there is a bit of an element of this power dynamic that seldom gets what seldom wants Absolutely, <laughs> Sel-
3: seldom is fully in charge of his diet i think
0: um we should talk about alan's therapist not therapist uh, there's a chap he sees every wednesday um, jeff oh no no it's jez isn't it but yeah. he doesn't like the name jez yeah um primarily seeing yes. him because because he he's he, he's got into the sort of funk where he doesn't pull off at green traffic lights he waits to be beeped um yeah. which is you know you can read a lot between those lines i think
3: yeah and he's obviously going off kind of uh, trying to explain his going does that make sense does that make sense and and again that's the thing if you take the humor away from it, it's basically it's a huge admission from alan that he is uh basically depressed um and the the fact that we get a bit of an elaboration that there is a, a chap that he uh, talks to every Wednesday morning i thought this is quite interesting because in series 1 there are a couple of quite brief references he says i think in series 1 he said the man i sometimes pay to chat to and there was no elaboration on that so you know it's at this point we're actually getting the full insight into what's going on there
0: he he's prepared to admit that the the, the chap is officially a counselor but also likes to think of him as a sounding board um and uh, there's a bit where Alan talks, but he suspects that this guy's not really listening to him. Whereas I think that's, that's actually just a, a well-known therapist tactic. I suppose not tactic, but you know what I mean? Like that is, that is part of the world of therapy to encourage people to open up and elaborate is by not responding to every single thing they say. So uh, yeah, in Alan's eyes, that just means he's, he's not paying attention. Yeah, and because actually, it's actually he's a good therapist. about
3: it. He says it's a generic hum noise that could mean anything. But like you say, that's exactly the point. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, have you guys got the, the the quote that Alan is quite riled about, uh, which is the, I guess the kind of a uh, bit of advice or wisdom that uh, Jez tries to give him?
4: Is this the um, "Yesterday is history, tomorrow is yeah. a mystery, and today is a present"? Today
3: wow. is a gift. Today is a today gift. Today is a gift.
5: Which is is a why they call it the present? Why they call wow. it the present?
3: I, yeah, I thought the reaction is brilliant. Wow, that's facile. And yeah. he says it's he would pause even buy as a well it it,
4: it, It's it's the pause. He's like, wow, that's facile, as if he's going to sort of yeah. be genuinely wowed by it. But actually, no, that is very much inspired get, from the mind of live, laugh, love, isn't it? Yeah, big time. Yeah.
0: And this 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 is very much, I think, confounding fan fan expectation as well, because I think when Alan says, "Wow," your first thought is, "Oh, he's going to be genuinely impressed yeah. by that." But actually, no, he's not that thick. You know, it's it's <laughs> wow well, that, that's you know <laughs> that wow that's facile, which. Which is better, I think. Um, the other thing I thought, and this is a real stretch, uh, he's talking to a man he doesn't believe is very qualified about his feelings called Jez. Is this the first Partridge peep show crossover?
5: Oh, I like it. I'm is, liking that is, a lot. Is,
0: is Alan the APU's mad Andy?
3: <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Let's go, let's go with it. So the APU joins the uh, PSU. Yeah, so this is yeah. like Marvel and DC, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah. The most ambitious crossover (laughs) ever known.
0: Peep show very very much the DC of this, though, surely.
4: (laughs) We get a quick sting now with uh, Alan sort of doing his sort of humming, you know, uh, vocal vocal lines. Um, Again, I I, I would have wanted something better. I think we've talked about the stings holding some of the best comedy, and uh, I'm always a bit disappointed when it's just a humming one
5: boom, boom,
0: and it's not
4: that sort of it's fine i think boom. it's
3: quite good though in terms of it's quite a good aping of what podcasts genuinely do i mean as discussed a oh yeah few yeah ago, um reads like a four uh similar uh stings were heard so you know i i think it does a job on that level but uh yeah i mean it's it's not i don't think it's bad it's also not particularly funny it's just it's just a shame really it's not a comedy yeah.
4: sting that's all but yeah. it's absolutely fine for what it is
0: Uh, Just to cap off uh, Alan's relationship with uh, with Jez, um, he was spending 90 pounds an hour on him. So he's decided that he now just goes for a walk and throws a stick for no one uh, rather than spend that money.
3: Oh, yes, because going walking is a damn sight fucking cheaper. So he's genuinely (laughs) sounds quite livid about how much it costs. And uh, oh, yeah. And he does kind of wrap up this uh, section with a fantasy about pulling his nose off. So it really hasn't gone that well, I don't think
0: um i like that as soon as he is addressing the idea of time travel he's not thinking about the fantastical possibilities but straight into the forms the red tape the bureaucracy that needs to be involved before anybody can travel through time
3: i thought that was quite a good point though i think he's probably right if time travel was possible uh, you'd have some kind of government sanction there would be forms to fill out i think alan is on to something there
0: um, so are we now? We're now at the point where we're, get, we're getting feedback from uh, from listeners, aren't we, about what they would do if they could travel through time?
3: Well, the only note I had before that was uh, you do have a, he he is singing another off the cuff song uh, just before this. So when he's starting his walk, he's singing "Seldom I Miss You," which I thought was actually uh, quite heart-wrenching, quite sweet. <laughs> I
1: miss
0: you, Seldom.
3: Exactly that. That's good.
4: Uh, yes, but as Adam says, uh, Alan is inviting you to give your feedback, which doesn't feel very. Alan, I, I, I feel like asking, you know, for your feedback is a sort of token gesture. I, I can't believe he would, um you know, take, take note of what listeners would think.
3: See, I'd agree with that. However, I think the execution is perfectly Alan. The way this actually unravels in terms of how you are what the feedback is supposed to center around and how you're supposed to give that is great. I mean, I think yeah. Basically he said this segment says, "We want to hear your views on what works and what doesn't within the podcast." But he provides no details on where or how listeners are supposed to are supposed to rate it's, or provide feedback.
4: You're just supposed to rank them, I think. I think it's just <laughs> yeah, a but ranking. where on what? Well, yeah, I mean it's not very. Specific, <laughs> this is like is you it? running a
3: poll; it makes no sense. <laughs> he says, "Rank your favorite elements from the following: what I say, the way I say them, the speed at which I say things, music, ideas, the volume at which I say things, other, none of the above." Like that just doesn't make that sense as th- a thing to rank. Yeah.
0: Um, and then as he goes into a different section of uh, of, of uh, listener feedback or Twitter feedback, um, he's asking people. Uh, He's asking what people would do if they could go back in time um and I felt like this is something that basi- basically I feel like the the Gibbons use these fo- like they know these phone in sections of gold they're the best bit of mid morning matters etc so I think they've just wholesale transplanted that into Oast house haven't they
3: yeah I mean I get I guess I often think these the way these bits work in Oast house I think they I think I'd agree in the TV shows like mid morning matters, I'm Alan Partridge, etc. the the interactions with callers I think are always highlights. I don't think these bits are necessarily great uh in the podcast, however. Because um, I don't I don't think the responses are always that funny. Um but I did like that he calls his Twitter followers Alanites and he then tries to come up with some alternatives to that and just kind of abandons it. So are we calling Fops Alanites now? Is that gonna catch on, do we think? Are we gonna use no. that going forward? <laughs> no. <laughs>
5: Uh,
4: I don't know if this is fair, but I could imagine them sitting around a, a writer's table and this is quite an easy way to fill five minutes. I think they're good at it <laughs> and it's it's easy writing. I think they know what they're doing. I personally think they're funny, so I don't say that as a negative, um, but I do think for them it's probably oh, where do we go with this? Oh, we could just stick in, you know, a few Twitter Twitter listeners' feedback. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm not saying it's not funny. I think I'm just saying it works better when it's on TV and you have the other voice in it, I think is what really kind of levels
5: yeah, up. Yeah,
4: yeah, no, I, I think that's probably fair. Um, I, think, it, I it, think, yeah.
5: I think the best bit about the Your Feedback section is that Alan has given us a jingle to use in our future feedback episodes. 100%. Recycle
3: Thanks, that content.
0: Um, so yeah, the first caller suggests that they would go back in time and give a hot meal to Jeremy Clarkson. Uh, what life would look like if they hadn't signed with Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and a, and a very light nibbling of the hand that feeds you when your podcast going out on Audible.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, um, yeah, Alan says that it's a great idea for a science fiction novel. Uh, what if Top Gear was still presented by the Holy Trinity of Clarkson, Hammond and May? Yeah. Um, So he then talks about the kind of ripples in time in terms of what uh, the current presenters of the genuine current presenters of Top Gear would would then be doing. And uh, the thing I really picked up on here was what would uh, McGuinness be doing, perhaps more adverts for gambling firms? And so I've done a little bit of research into Steve Coogan and Paddy McGuinness, and they do not get on. Ooh, interesting. this is Coogan massively sticking the knife in here. Uh, it feels like there's no love lost here. So I- I'll just uh, reference two articles I found. It's interesting. The first one is from 2008. The uh, second one is from uh, 2021. So uh, it's a long running uh, rift. Um, so from the Bolton News in 2008, Paddy says he hates Steve Coogan. Paddy McGuinness has said that fellow comedian Steve Coogan, who appeared at the MEN arena last night, is one of only two people he dislikes. <laughs> he said that the Alan Partridge star had proved the adage, never meet your heroes, to be true. This uh, is a quotation. He's not a nice bloke and I'm not afraid to say that, said McGuinness, adding that he just looks through you and that Coogan will only talk to A-list movie stars. McGuinness, who shot to fame in Peter Kay's Phoenix Nights before starring with his pal in Max and Paddy's Road to Nowhere, said the only other person he disliked was Suggs. (laughs) That that really cracked me up like the ending to that article. And uh, yeah, then in 2021 uh, from the Mirror... Top Gear host Paddy McGuinness recalls disappointing meeting with idol Steve Coogan and I think essentially this is a retelling of what we talked about in 2008 Um, In a new interview, presenter Paddy McGuinness has admitted that meeting comedian and Alan Partridge creator Steve Coogan many years ago left him disappointed and let down. Top Gear presenter Paddy admitted he felt let down by the encounter and the experience taught him a valuable lesson. The Bolton-born star confessed that meeting his idol was nothing like what he expected and it spurred him on to always be aware of how he treats fans and aspiring entertainers. Now he's a household name. Name. Paddy writes about meeting Steve in his new memoir, My Lifey. What a title! So, yeah, I, I think that's uh, very much a, it's a it's a Coogan no. Um, it's I guess mm, it's kind of an Alan no as well, isn't it? Yeah. Do they
0: dislike each other though, or is this one kind of subpar encounter turned into a decade long? Uh, well, I think
3: I think it is one subpar encounter, but I think it's something that Paddy McGuinness has basically dined out on for the best part of twenty years. Yeah, so, clearly. Yeah.
4: I do think it's fair to say that Alan probably lusts after the glory days of Top Gear when you didn't have audience members in a warehouse and cars hanging from the roof and it was just um, the Holy Trinity uh, driving around roads really quickly uh, and, you know, there were just better times.
3: Well, that's almost the Holy Trinity, which should have been uh, Clarkson, Quentin Wilson and Tiff Nadell, right? Yeah. The real glory days, proper <laughs> Top Gear. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, I joined the bait and switch of the next uh, tweeter saying that he would uh, go back before his affair and put things right <laughs> yeah. and then followed up by he just buy another sim yes. <laughs> and password, password protect the pictures
4: it's basically he just wants to do an affair but do it better <laughs> he's lazy yeah. about his mistakes
3: yeah. I, I do think as well I, I've noticed this quite a lot in this, kind of this run of episodes I think there's a lot of very deliberate misdirection which yeah. is always the payoffs are always very good you think it's going to go one way but oh no
0: uh, quite a bit of misdirection coming up as he starts talking about Anne of Cleves and you think there might be a joke in there, but no, it goes on for ages and it's not very funny.
3: <laughs> they really misdirected you there, didn't they? I also made a note that one of the other messages he had in from Victoria in Manchester, who's the one who thinks he was literally time-travelling and thought he was literally robbing a bank. Um, <laughs> when he's talking about that, he was given the advice, the best way to rob banks, with a hammer. He then goes on and lists all the different types of hammer. Now, that also happened in O's House Series 1, didn't it? Yeah. If in doubt, just it, recycle.
4: It, in episode, in episode one, the opening of episode one as well.
0: Um, so there's a brief bit about uh, it's uh, Alan went on a date with someone from Germany. Well, I feel like he was I basically catfished. Continued.
4: I think this is where it sort of leads in from that he was uh, maybe not catfished, but essentially spent a day to, or a night in a hotel in Dover, which didn't sound like the most romantic thing you could do. Um, luckily for him, it had a twin room, and at the end of the two nights. Uh, or at the end of the trip uh, I think the woman said so should I go back to my husband and Alan just said yeah p- probably Which... but
5: the crucial thing is that he had an actually he actually had quite a good weekend because he watched loads of Death in Paradise <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was winter he said he would def- he'd, definitely, he'd do, definitely do it
0: again <laughs> just but on bit. his own in, the, in a B and B with Death in Paradise. Now, if
5: there's one person who has watched Death in Paradise in this uh, in this podcast, my money would be on Nick. Surely you've watched Death in Paradise? I actually it's, haven't it's seen exactly it. Exactly your level. It's yeah, I, <laughs> it's it, Benidorm it feel... mixed with Poirot.
4: Yeah, and that sounds good to me. So I will make. I will watch. I will watch it. I just. Well, I did got wonder writer. if
3: that might be a bit of you as well, actually, Stab. You I mean, do yeah, love a bit of Poirot, enough. right? Yeah, yeah, fair
5: enough. You love Poirot, <laughs> but more the Poirot the Benidorm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so a dog has taken Alan's stick, and then there's a quite awkward moment where yeah. he has to basically admit that there is no other dog; it's just his stick, and he wants it back.
3: And this is a great callback to uh, the Ramble episode in House series one as well excuse me, I think your dog's taking my dog stick. <laughs>
5: yeah.
0: Yes, uh, and also revealed that Alan doesn't actually know what kind of dog Zeldon was. Yeah. Um, he might be pretty, pretty historic. Name... <laughs> <laughs> and then I quite like, the, this is a new bit of cadence for Alan. He doesn't often say things in this voice, but when he's like, fucking hell, his breath stinks. <laughs> like that about the other dog. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I also th- had a note
5: here that this bit is Big Nick energy. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Uh
0: the episode ends with the blow his mind song, doesn't it? Yeah. Which comes out of yeah. I mean yes, okay, you've you've
4: you've had a bit of um King Henry VIII chat, but it it still comes a little bit out of nowhere, doesn't it? I don't know if they're trying to it, sort of as you've sort of touched on before. Sort of maybe just sample
0: or, or, or trial a couple of new things um. At
4: the or end fill of out the... an episode
5: well, that's a couple of I, about a minute short.
0: <laughs> I can't I can't believe my memory's this bad, but I thought that I'd heard this as a stratagem. But I guess this wasn't actually a song in the set, was it? But so. it is in the st- it is in the style of those songs. So I wonder mm. if this is a song that they did they were thinking about developing for the live show, didn't put it in but thought actually it's it's a funny enough concept that we can put, you know, a minute of it in the podcast.
3: I think, yeah, I think there's a few interesting things about this, because obviously I think, you know, that the narrative conceit here would be that this is one of these songs he's worked on with Nathan, which obviously that has kind of been teed up across the series, that he is working on these kind of little uh, musical asides with Nathan. But it would make more sense if you had almost some kind of voiceover from him saying, oh, and to close this week's episode. Here's a bit of music I've been working on or something to just give it a bit of contextualising that feels like it makes sense because it does feel like it comes out of nowhere. I mean, I think the other link is the reason that this is in this episode is particular is, I mean, it's not a great link, but the time travel thing is obviously what is why this is in this episode. But yeah, I feel like they could have done a little bit of a voiceover thing just to tee this up an intro, which would have just made it make a bit more sense.
0: Um, I think throwback wise as well. It's um, it's almost thematically reminiscent of uh, Blackbird's song in uh, Mid Morning Matters as well, where you're sort of taking these like theoretical Items, ideas yeah. and yeah, just trying to decide you know what would
4: the effect life be would be without tax. It's
0: complicated, <laughs>
4: exactly.
3: <laughs> Said Gary Barlow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. allegedly.
0: What if you could get Gary Barlow to pay all of his tax? it would blow his mind, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs>
3: we've done a rewrite. This is good. Um, I mean, we've talked about the, obviously the the dog inconsistency between this episode and the previous one. But I mean, it's worth, I think, just the clarity on the, the line he says is, uh, I'm not prepared to get a new dog as I'm still very sad about my old dog. So it's very, very clear that he doesn't have a new dog in this episode. So it's, yeah, I mean, look, we, we've discussed it a lot. Is it an unreliable narrator? Is it an inconsistent narrator? Is it Stephen the Gibbons just not caring? We don't know the answer, but you know it, it, it couldn't be clearer that it doesn't I, make I def- sense.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't think it's an unreliable narrator because um, I don't think there's so, no think. there's there's no humour in him saying he hasn't got a dog when he has or vice versa, um, and I just I just don't think he'd forget if he did or didn't. <laughs> and then also, um,
5: but of course, he does end the episode by saying, "I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to get a new yeah. dog. I'm going to rescue. I'm going to get a rescue. I'm going to rescue it from a pet shop with money." <laughs> 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 That's brilliant.
0: Yeah. Um, and probably a great place to leave uh, chapter seven, time travel, uh, and, and move on to chapter eight, Katrina. Uh, so I've got the synopsis for this one.
4: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
1: fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com
0: alan's online search for love has so far proved fruitless but could mrs Wright be someone closer to home uh so it's a bit of a rough and ready start this one uh it sounds like a bit of a ramshackle beginning to the pod uh he says he's gonna cast his next podcast
3: um, oh, yeah, and I think we can, uh, we're can. we not giving a tick to the Oast House here. This all takes place in the car, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, yeah. And did we get a Shaps mention? Can't remember. We'll see if that uh, comes I up. I don't think so. But I don't think we do, so I, I think, think we might we be do. on three and three, yeah. Uh, am all I right. right to think that this was going to be
4: a live haircut uh, episode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I actually... I personally, and not not to sort of spoil thoughts too much, but I think that could have made for a funnier episode than what we actually oh, get. I think I think there's what, a lot of humour in
5: Alan getting a haircut. This is actually my favourite episode of the series so far. Oh wow! Interesting. Hmm. Even Interesting. more than
0: the idea of a live haircut from conception and initial ideas all the way through to a sit down with the stylist and manager yeah. about where it went right <laughs> or maybe didn't go quite so well. I like I like that even even in his sort of imagined concept for this live haircut episode, there has to be a sort of. Um, a sort of post mortem <laughs> afterwards, so it's, it's inevitably going to go wrong, yeah, to Alan, the point that he yeah, has to have that discussion. His,
3: his imagination always fails him, doesn't it? Yeah. But, uh, I particularly liked um, that, yeah, he, part of his recording plan was including my thoughts on how she's getting on. So the fact that he would be live narrating it, going mm, that bit's not very good, <laughs> yeah, I think that would have been a great episode, also,
0: good. yeah. Um, there's another nice little uh, Alan miss uh, miss, uh, not even a mispronunciation, but uh, he describes he describes it's being uh, in, from the heart of your pants. <laughs> uh, rather than the seat of your pants. Um, and then there's and a lovely bit. The seat of your mouth. Yeah. And the seat of your mouth. That's it. Yeah. And then a lovely bit where he's uh, he's doing, doing much like Liz Truss has in the news at the time of recording, doing all podcasters in one fell swoop by uh, suggesting that he could uh, put himself up for a British Podcast Award if such a thing exists. Which it does. Um, but, then, but then saying, why would you want to do that? Because it would basically be like those people, uh, an FAQ that put their hand up and say, oh, actually, it's more of a comment than a question, really. But that's everyone in the <laughs> room. Um, and I think, I think, you know, as podcasters, that's accurate, isn't it? Uh,
5: and Tom, I believe you have been, you're have been—you the only one of us who has been to the Podcast Awards here. <laughs> yeah, Can you I confirm have, yeah. if that's what it's like? Uh, I just want to say,
3: I, had a, uh, I just had a really great time and everybody there was lovely, but um, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
4: It sounds unbearable. Um, and also, you,
3: you, you can vote for us at the uh, People's Choice Awards next year, because you can vote for any podcast on that. So,
4: yeah. uh, Anyone got a note of why Alan no longer drinks coffee on an empty stomach? This tickle bee.
3: Oh yes, because he briefly went berserk at a Channel 4 pitch meeting. <laughs> and started to wrap. Oh, tried to do it as a rap. That's his whole pitch. <laughs> oh, I thought
0: that was great. I loved it. Um, we spoke a bit recently about um, how Alan can't sort of talk about his feelings in a straightforward way. He has to kind of cadge it in some sort of weird, you know, some other dialect or, or you know, kind of use slang. So um, he starts to do that when he's talking about uh, trying to settle down. He says he just can't find the right gal, um, and someone to spend his goddamn life with, you <laughs> know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought that was fun.
3: Yeah, I also thought this is quite. Interesting. So, he, yeah, he's decided he's found he's found a woman he wants to spend the rest of his life with. But yeah, like she at this point she is not aware of that, and he's on a way to tell her. So he's essentially in pursuit of her as well. It's so uh, the you, big you romantic this, uh, gesture. Yeah, and you get this whole segment about how certain things are no longer acceptable in the Mito era. So he talks about the milk tray man. Um, there's also a bit when he talks about be when she's in the ensuite having a shower or a poo. Um, <laughs> yeah. But particularly, you know, he talks about running after a woman now on a busy high street is unacceptable across the board. My note is, but Alan thinks pursuit in a car is fine. Yeah, good point. <laughs>
0: Um, also, I don't know how the timelines for this are supposed to tally with Stratagem, but it wasn't that long ago he was making a, a much, an even bigger grand emotional gesture to try and win the heart of a lady that saw him perform it in arenas all around the country. So uh, he doesn't seem to have learned his lesson.
3: Sounds about right for Alan though, doesn't it? So, yeah, are we at uh, Sarah's wedding at this point? And uh, quite a long fantasy uh, segment from Alan again here. It's
4: quite I, extended, I, isn't it?
5: I it, really it... like this bit. I really like oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. I think
4: it really outstays its welcome. No, I'll, I really... I'll, I... I'll, I'll let you sell it to us then.
5: Well, I just I just like the little bits. Like, I actually think it's quite... <laughs> Obviously, it would be terrible and would never work as a film. It would be. It's just basically all those cliched rom-com tropes. So it would
3: work as a film because he's basically taken things from loads of films that have been massively successful. Any rom-com you can think okay, of, okay. I'll very rephrase much that the they, as well. They,
5: okay, I'll rephrase that. It would never work as a film that I would want to see because of all of those. Fine, rom- <laughs> because yeah, all of because- I'll accept. Yeah, <laughs> because all of those romantic tropes. But I do really like the um, the. Uh, it's time to play the music, and then he walks out. And then, hang on a sec. It's time to <laughs> play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to. What's the rest of it? I can't remember. Gets the, on the, down to the Muppet, Muppet, show tonight. Muppet Show tonight. I just really like that. I thought that was quite. And then the um, the bit where it's just like um, well, why didn't you say the whole thing? You fucking cunt at the end of the. <laughs> oh yeah, what, the you bit, know what I oh, had yeah, it the, in my notes. The, 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 bit I, the bit where
0: he's like, I yeah, I just remembered what. Why I love you.
5: Yeah,
0: <laughs> what <don't> you say at the start? I, I
3: had in my notes. I wasn't 100 percent sure if you called her a stupid cow or a stupid cunt, but I think it is cunt. <laughs> it isn't is it? definitely cunt. Brilliant.
5: And that just really, really made me laugh. That payoff at the end, I thought it was great.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think I'm a little bit between stab and Nick here. Like, I I think it's just a, a little bit over long, but I do like this kind of discontinued character trait we're seeing where he does go off on these long kind of fantasies. It's basically like he's got a load of like uh, in development film scripts in his head that he'll just delve into as he just goes off on one whilst he's
5: recording a podcast. Well, we know from series one he's got a lot of um, film exactly. scripts yeah, in yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Um, although, yeah, his his idea of uh, of of coincidences and plot lines is is pretty loose. Given that um, he says you could not make it up about the <laughs> fact that both he and Katrina own Range Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> um, another nice bit of a linguistic mess uh, when he says uh, he can see me slap bang in his peripheral
3: uh, Oh, I didn't clock that. That's great. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and yeah, he's he's basically uh, oh yeah, he's, he's trying to give it let into uh, to traffic, isn't he? And absolutely slating the guy until the guy lets him back in, and then all all is immediately. You're forgiven.
5: overthinking it, mate. <laughs> oh, he's going to let me through. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: there was a bit here that I went back and listened to it a couple of times. Where there's a line about Charles and Camilla that I think has been re-recorded. Uh, because, obviously, this was, I think, timeline-wise, this was being recorded around the time that we lost Her Majesty the Queen. Um, and I think there might have been another reference to Charles in here that's been removed for something a bit more uh,
3: neutral. Okay, so what we're doing, just to line that up, so, yeah, we know this, basically, this whole series was recorded post-stratagem and was delivered, basically, because we've... Um, uh done an audible host read for the first few weeks of this series uh we do have the intel that this series was delivered to audible on the, on the 9th of september and i believe was that the day after the queen died um should probably remember a day like that but um so yeah this would have this whole series would have been recorded over basically uh what june july august pretty much um so yeah it is because i think i can't remember now whether it's this episode or another episode but yeah you do get a reference to Prince Charles so obviously they haven't they certainly haven't gone back and edited that to King Charles that's for sure
0: that's true yeah, I just wondered if yeah maybe they've removed something to uh, take a little bit of offense out what's the um, what's
3: the line have you got it written down
0: uh I think you know it's just a reference to Charles and Camilla and I think they desc- they describe him as h r h p o w Um right yeah uh but it sounds Prison like it's replaced four. something else. Um there's another gotta try stand up at this point, which obviously mm. i've not finished I've not finished the series, but I thought at some point in the Oath house are they gonna have him try stand up just have him do a disastrous five minutes and like try and or better still have him spend the whole episode working up some stand up and then bottle it at the last minute
3: i mean that's that was kind of something I was hoping for when we when we covered the first series i was I was mm-hmm. hoping that was that would be the payoff kind of as an end of series moment but but it wasn't so um uh well Adam we 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 won't spoil it for you we'll uh we'll we'll see how it progresses. Uh,
4: sure. I like I like that obviously we've had several mentions to Alan's dating and you know he's he is a Tinder user and um I would be very keen to see what his uh Tinder profile pictures would be and what his <laughs> uh his his bio would uh, how that would read. I imagine I it's kind
5: very of, uh like all the imagery from the uh from Nomad. I reckon it would look Yeah. man in a men in a brown shirt.
0: Yeah.
4: Well, oh, that's all the imagery for, for this series as yeah,
5: well, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: really, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's uh, that'd be a great promotional opportunity if there's ever a third series of Oast House. They've obviously added him to LinkedIn to great comic effect. Why yeah, not put him yeah, on we'll Tinder for know. the next for the next one? <laughs> I like the idea that that blonde divorcees are also kind of uh, overfished in the,
4: uh, in the in the <laughs> Tinder that's world a great as well. Stocks need to be stocks need to be replenished. It-
3: blonde divorcees with tans and good hair have been overfished do
0: you think as well that um, he says on tinder he sees the same old faces do you think that's basically alan accidentally doing himself in that nobody is matching with him so he's just getting yeah that's when you're basically endlessly
4: swiping and then you find yourself back at the beginning (laughs) and you're criticizing the platform not taking a look at yourself
3: (laughs) there's quite a bombshell here though um carol knows that alan uses tinder so I'm not really sure what we're learning about their relationship there apart from they are obviously still in touch um, because he also says that she's too analogue and that she's more likely to be looking for love on P&O cruises.
0: So she's also single um, which is notable as yeah. well although I, I I suddenly thought would that be a rekindling but then probably not since he then describes her as like spent uranium rods, never not toxic. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. <laughs> Um, I think we also we then get the mini bombshell here that obviously Nathan we know does jingles uh, for, for for radio and now for Alan's show in his early twenties and it's uh, it's revealed that Nathan's mum is the target. <laughs> now
3: I, I thought I, I don't know. Did you guys find this was uh, quite a good example of what I thought quite deliberate misdirection here because. The way this segment starts, Alan is talking about looking everywhere for for love, basically. And then the next thought, the next line from him is, there's a young chap in his 20s called Nathan. So I was like, oh, so is Alan about to kind of make some kind of declaration that he's dating a 20-year-old boy or something like that? Or is the conceit that, you know, he's talking about um, looking for love and he's immediately started talking about this 20 year old boy is that is that where his mind has gone without realizing it um but obviously no deliberate misdirection he wants to date his mum i don't did you did you guys kind of fall into any of those traps at all i did not
5: on that one
0: no i must admit i didn't either to be honest
5: okay well i think this good writing it,
0: yeah <laughs> i certainly th- i certainly didn't see it coming that it was it was nathan's mum was the object of his affections but uh, yeah yeah uh, um I liked the uh, the little bit that he put in around um, that ultimately, if you want to get swipes, then you have to have a tan and be carrying some sort of rope over your shoulder uh, because people love brown mountain climbers. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, we get a bit more detail about uh, Katrina here, don't we? That she is fiercely apolitical, but she did campaign for Brexit and also that she refused to clap for carers because they get paid, don't they?
4: And then Alan it, and stopped, stopped, clapping stopped clapping as stopped Alan well. Clapping. Yeah. Which, which I
0: thought was also quite nice. She also doesn't say please often.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she sounds awful. (laughs) Imagine this. She's not not (laughs)
0: awful. She 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 decodes lady bullshit.
5: (laughs) Oh, Oh, that that is a good section. Do you want to run through that? Yeah. So and
0: smells great when she lays off the fags.
5: (laughs) Uh, This one uses emojis in her profile. She's probably thick. Um, This one mentions her (laughs) divorce twice. Imagine how many times she's going to mention it in person. (laughs) Um, What are the other ones? Uh, this one likes yoga
3: so she probably doesn't drink yeah yeah and i think there's one more anyone okay this one's looking for a gentleman that means she'll expect you to pay yeah
5: very very good
2: Uh,
1: And and
5: when she lays off the fag she smells great and then possibly the line that makes me laugh the most in this entire series so far is and it's just very very simple it's just imagine liz truss Yeah, yeah, so good. And we're left,
0: we're left forever waiting for the conclusion of that sentence. But there, there is. I've listened to
5: this Um, episode like three or four times, and still, that one, that line, absolutely does me.
3: Yeah, I mean, what can can we give the full context as well? Because before that, you get like a more right-wing Kirsty Ulsop, but with lemony hair. so yeah it's exactly that again a bit more um, it's almost kind of misdirection or it's making you expect more imagine Liz Truss you think you're going to get Liz Truss with yeah. or Liz Truss if but no it's just <laughs> imagine Liz Truss
1: <laughs> and and again
3: this is what I was saying about the, the timing of the writing and delivering of this episode like they must be so pleased that Liz Truss won the leadership campaign yeah because then all the trust gags just land so much better at this point yeah
0: um, a lovely bit of linguistic mangling just before this, when he says it's very time-consuming to sort the wheat from the time wasters <laughs> rather than from the chaff.
3: Oh, and we have do we need to talk about Lynn, by the way? I think there's quite a big Lynn bombshell here.
0: Oh, we do. What are the fact she campaigned for Rolf Harris's release?
3: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because she's a stunningly bad judge of character.
0: Yeah, uh, Alan Al, Al never liked him, but um,
3: great,
5: great at drawing, really great at drawing. <laughs> he never got the he never got the wiggle board bollocks <laughs>
0: uh, the reason that uh, the reason that Lynn's uh, bad judge of character uh, uh, that that quality comes up is because she hates Katrina basically so yes. there's there's a, there's a rivalry there um and i believe it's time for an ad <laughs> to stay in a columbus caravan isn't it <laughs> something that was referenced earlier in the episode where we talked about Nathan's jingles oh um, i've
5: also had that i've also had that jingle in my head this afternoon as well Come on, Stab, remind us how it goes. I'm not singing on the podcast.
3: Okay, we'll just drop the voice note in that you <laughs> sent us earlier then.
5: <laughs>
3: Jed, I will send that to you right now. Brilliant. Thanks. Um, Thanks, man, mate. I, I actually had a note about um, when he gets out of the car. So I think it's actually just before the jingle gets played yeah. in. So he's caught up with Katrina at the... Uh, is it the garden centre? Yes, yes, the garden centre. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... As he gets out of the car, you you hear him going, "Hey, Katrina, hey girl," which I thought was very much like a "Hey, baby girl" in this yeah. time. Yeah, he's kind of doing that kind of weird American again. He he has to. Persona.
4: Yeah, I think as, as Adams kind of mentioned, he he has to kind of uh, there has to be some kind of linguistic sort of styling to whatever he says whenever he's trying to say something that's you know slightly sincere. M- yeah, exactly, Meaningful. exactly, or serious. Hey
3: girl. <laughs> but I think it's also, with, with this kind of American accent thing, this kind of trying to be like this... Uh, like, I, th- I think he thinks it's cool, yeah. doesn't he? He or thinks like Debonair, this is where Alan's or... trying to be a cool guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, th- I think we get uh, another kind of off-mic exchange with a uh, voiceover over the top. Again, uh, what Nick mm. has mentioned. Um, also, it reminded me a bit of when Alan makes a final approach to Zoe in Mid-Morning Matters, because we never actually uh, yes. heard that exchange.
4: So he's asked her to Goodwood. Is, that,
5: uh, is it the Festival of yes, Speed they are gone is, to? Yes, it is, it is indeed.
0: And uh, listener, he has to admit he was sporting an erection. <laughs>
4: yeah. um, and she will be wearing the trousers, which is that an implication that there's some kind of like sexual dominance to her and that Alan will be basically
5: yeah, eaten uh, alive?
0: I, th- I I, yes. I, th- I think it, I don't think it's I don't think it's just sexual. I think effectively Alan is set up to basically be a cuckold to this woman, isn't <laughs> yeah. he? Like that's 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 the plan. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. There,
3: there's also that, but also one away for that weekend. Alan's getting pegged whether he likes it or not.
5: <laughs> <laughs> hey, girl.
0: Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: do we think with the Columbus caravans advert that that's Nathan doing the voiceover as well? So basically, Nathan, Nathan is providing the advert in, a, in an episode about the seduction of his own mother.
3: <laughs> yeah I, I think that's i, I, I assumed that's who it's supposed to be yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and then i really enjoyed the payoff at the end of this where uh, surprise surprise it's to be continued uh, he has a brief negotiation with audible about whether it could just be one <laughs> long episode but <laughs> he would then have to provide an extra episode as part of his, of his contract so he will be splitting it in two
3: smart now um adam ha- i know you haven't finished the series how far have you got Oh only
0: to uh, only to this episode I'm very excited to see what happens I would to say next. that's the same for me as well I've not heard anything
3: past Okay this. in that in that case no no further spoilers yeah. and yeah. I mean, I'm not saying anything. I, I'm not
5: saying
0: anything. I, as... I w- I would say I would say looking at the synopsis of episode nine which we'll be covering <laughs> yeah, the next. Time, that, that there's yeah. uh, the, that this probably won't be the uh the, the, the full blossoming of a relationship with Katrina that we've been led to believe by the end of this episode. <laughs> uh, let's
3: say. What you mean you think she might not be a brand ambassador? <laughs> 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 yeah. I
0: think Alan Alan might be onto to other things by the time we get five minutes into the next episode. But let's see, let's see. Um, so, unless anyone's got anything to add on Katrina or time travel, that's all we've got this week on Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Uh, if you've got thoughts about from the Oast House or Alan in general, uh, you can catch us on Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at The Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, email The Partridge Pod at gmail.com. Monkey Tennis Hotline is 07923 Or if you're enjoying what you're hearing and you'd like to chuck us a few pounds, you can do the, uh, that to the value of a price of a cup of coffee uh, on ko fi.com slash Monkey Tennis. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with. With episode 9, Brand Ambassador, and episode 10, Alpha Male. Uh, but for now, from all of us at Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge Fan Podcast, thanks and goodbye.
5: Open up your horizons with caravans from Drysons. Great, that saved me having
3: to send a voice note file to Jed, so thanks. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle.
2: Aha! Yeah, absolutely, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Monkey tennis, bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Done. Monkey tennis. Little Pierce my foot on the spike. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh, no. Monkey tennis. Radical, awesome, mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis. Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmunds is a total wazz of a guy. Yes, 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 yes and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who oh the hell is that? <laughs> this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get
1: it. Hold up.